born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But anyway, look here in the book of Hebrews and chapter 2. Look down in verse 5, verse 5. And says here, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. And this is what we're really talking about, the world to come. Not the one that we have, but the one that's coming. Because, you see, everything that we have and think and say and do is all about the next world coming. And we want to influence the next world by influencing this world. Do you know the people we lead to the Lord in this world are going to get to be in the next one. And won't that be pretty good? Don't you want there, when you get to heaven, somebody walk up and say, you know, I really appreciate you explaining the gospel to me. If you hadn't explained the gospel to me, I wouldn't be here. When I see my father-in-law, even though he did a lot of things that maybe you would say it's not kosher. I mean, he wasn't that, you know, light on the shining hill all the time. But he did shine the light to me. And I don't care what he did. I don't care how bad he was. I don't care all the wrong things he's ever done in his whole life. He did one good thing. He shared with me the gospel. And that was the beginning of the greatest thing that's ever happened in my whole life. None of us are perfect individuals. We say, do things that uh, we shouldn't do and all that. Think things we shouldn't. We get angry and mad and all that kind of stuff. But, but it, there's nothing that's going to take the place of the person that you led to Christ because you shared the gospel with them. It can never be undone. It can't be undone. When you lead somebody to the Lord, you can't annul it. You can't change it. And it doesn't matter if anybody ever gives you credit for it or not. When they get to heaven, God knows who did what. And sometimes the person who trusts the Lord is not just from the person that talked to you and won you to Christ at that moment. It's all those seeds that were sown before that. Things that you've heard. You talk to most people. Almost everybody has heard about Jesus Christ. Especially in America. Good, bad, or indifferent. They've heard his name. And they've heard of the Bible. They've heard of heaven. They've heard of hell. Those are still seeds or truth that the Bible says. So when we witness to somebody, we don't usually have to try to convince them or tell them about this place called hell. If you just mention hell, uh, yeah, I've heard of that. In heaven, I, yeah, I've heard of that. Jesus, I've heard of that. But, but when you can put it together and help them to understand the clarity of the gospel and they trust Christ as their Savior, yeah, we may get a reward for what we've done, but somebody else is going to get rewarded for their, all their attempts and all the seeds and the heaven tracks they passed out and the people they talked to or, you know, whatever they've done or given for the sake of winning people to Christ. 
All those things have been announced. Whenever God made Adam and Eve, and you go back here to the book of Genesis, and he says that he wanted them to have dominion over everything. I mean, he made all the animals and all those things, and he made a man and a woman, and he put them over all of his creation. And then the Bible says in chapter 8 of Psalms, What is man that thou art mindful of him? When you consider how big the world is and how small man is. I mean, you, you put a man out there in comparison to the world, the universe. He is so small. Why would God think about us? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, this is a little bit about what he's talking about here. And how that um, man was made lower than the angels. But he didn't put the angels in charge of the creation. He put man in charge. Uh, But what happened to man? Well, he kind of messed up. And kind of lost control. And because of sin, we have trouble. I mean, I wouldn't walk into a lion's den. But back then, you could probably pet them. They'd make a nice house pet. I'd like to have a nice pet. Just a big old, big old lion. Or grizzly bear out back playing with the kids. I mean, they wouldn't hurt anybody. He said, I don't know if I want to try that. Well, maybe not now I wouldn't. But there's a time coming when they're, they're not going to hurt each other. Harm well, when God made them, they weren't like that. They weren't wild and vicious. But man sins. And sin cost the whole world. And so here you have in Hebrews in chapter 2, he says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? So you have God who put everything that he made in subjection to man, and then man messes up. And then the Bible talks about God coming and visiting man. Now, there's two verses that they look the same, but they're not totally exactly the same. Because when he talks about mankind as a whole and what he had done and how small we are and seemingly insignificant, we are of greater value than all the wealth of the world. Think, one soul is worth more than all the wealth of the world. What shall he profit a man if he gains the whole world, loses soul? In other words, he is worth more. And it would be good for us if we would put a value upon people that God puts upon them. That one soul is worth more than anything else in the world. If the world was nothing more than a big old solid (laughs) ball of gold, a man is worth more. And down here, we would kill each other for a little gold. Up there, we're going to walk on streets of gold and squeeze dust powder, gold dust between our toes. I used to love to walk in the mud, squish mud between my toes. Now, you have to go back a few years. Now, Jesse here, he's never been barefooted. He's never had to walk in the mud, play in the mud. Man, we played in the mud. We eat mud. When you eat mud, I mean, there's certain clay and stuff like that. We'd find we'd eat it. I'm not joking. I'm telling you the truth. But um, when you, you play in mud and all those things like that, and when it's cold outside and you're shivering like crazy, and you build up your immune system. Today, people are so protected that they don't build up an immune system, and now they're susceptible to everything that comes along. 
there comes a, a, a thing. <laughs> I got sick. Sick, 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 sick. We get sick about everything now. And you know, whenever they came out of Egypt, God said, if you'll serve me, I'll put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. What a health care program. You won't you have none of their diseases. All you got to do is just serve me. Well, that sounds like a pretty good program. And God even had a, a social security program. I mean, it was, it was super. And uh, God's people took care of each other and it, everything was just wonderful. They got land and they could also whittle it away. And then next thing you know, at the end of the 50 years, they get it all back. But anyway, but notice what it says here. I, I want you to look at this. Look there in the Psalms in chapter 8, the 8th Psalm. The 8th Psalm. You know what I like about just doing uh, verse by verse and going through the Bible in a book? You can take as long as you want. You can go as fast as you want, slow as you want, cover whatever verses you want, and uh, it doesn't matter. I don't have an ending point. You know, how far do I have to get today? As far as we get. Isn't that easy? And then next Sunday, you know what makes it so much easier? I don't have to remember where to start. It's just wherever I ended up today. Or if I want to have a little review, you can have a little review and then go back for it. It's awesome. Just study and teach the Bible. It's a lot easier than trying to put together a, a sermon outline. Coming up with a title and then coming up with all your little points and then sub points and all the scripture and the little things and try to go by that. And now I do that, but this is so much easier. But now look here in the book of Psalms. In chapter 8, and look what he says in verse 3. When I consider the heavens, when you consider them, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hath crowned him with glory and honor. Now, it's verse 5, when you read it in the book of um, Hebrews in chapter 2, where we are, uh, it quotes this verse, but it's two things that are different about this verse. See, when it comes to man, as a general, uh, this can refer to mankind. But you'll notice there in verse 5, where he says, For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Now, when you read that in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 9, it adds something to it. Then he says, and hath crowned him with glory and honor. It adds something else to it. Because now you're not talking about just man in general. You're talking about the son of man, which is Christ himself. Jesus Christ, the son of man, is talked about and used some of these verses that reply to, you know, to a man, to us. But then he goes further than that. So take your Bible and go back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 2. In verse 7, thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crowneth him with glory and honor. Did set him over the works of thy hand. See, that's word for word from back there in chapter 8. And so this is our position lower than the angels, but God gave to us the world to be over, and he didn't do that to the angels. But now notice something else. Verse 8, thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. In other words, he's a conquered foe. 
For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Now, this looks like it could be referring to man, us, but we blew it. And so we don't rule the world and dominate it like we should. And so there, because of sin, there's a price to pay. But now we know positively that um, the next verses are talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now he quotes that verse one more time. He says here in verse 9, But, in contrast to you and I, but we see Jesus, get this, who was made a little lower than the angels. It's the same thing we read about in the book of Acts, back here in Psalms, uh, chapter 8. But notice what's added in here. Who was made a little lower than the angels. See the next word? For the suffering of death. That's not back there in the Old Testament. This is added. Then notice this, crowned with glory and honor. Well, that's back there in the Old Testament. But this is what's added. That he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now he was a man, but he did more than the normal man. He came for a particular reason. He came to taste death for every man. And even though we can apply that, yes, to man, Jesus Christ, when he came, he was also put under the authority of the law, and he kept the law perfectly, and he had power over everything. This is why last week we talked about the lordship of Jesus Christ. When it comes to the devils and the angels, the fallen angels, did he have power over them? Yep. And what about healing a person's body? He could do that. Walk on water? He could do that. I mean, raise the dead? He could do that. He could do everything because he was in charge totally. And he didn't have to be in subjection, but he was in subjection to the Father. And he said that all things that he did, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gets the credit for what he did. And the reason that they... um, I guess some have a problem with uh, Matthew chapter 12 when he talks about the so unforgivable sin. They had said that what Jesus did was by the power of Beelzebub or the prince of demons. And Jesus said he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they did not believe that he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So those people that were there at that time, being Jewish, were sinning by not giving Jesus credit for telling the truth. So he did, they did not believe him. And they credited what he did to the prince of Beelzebub, the devil himself. So that's why he says this sin will not be forgiven. Because you see, unless you believe what Jesus said, then you're not going to be saved. You're not going to trust him as your savior. So the sin of unbelief is a terrible thing. But they committed that. And whether or not you can put that upon us today, once you trust in Christ as your Savior, you can never commit the unforgivable sin. So the sin of unbelief, we've already believed on the Lord. So, But look what he says here. And this is good. In verse 9, when he says that he should taste death for every man. Now, when he says taste death for every man, does that mean he just tasted death or did he really die? The reason that's important And you should tie this verse in with over there in chapter 6 of Hebrews. Look in chapter 6 of Hebrews. When we talk about what Christ did for us, 
And what do we have to do to be saved? Well, now remember, we're talking about Hebrew Christians, Jewish people that have trusted the Lord. But now they were dull of hearing. Some of the things were very hard for them to understand because they were steeped in Judaism. And that's in your brain all those years and in your practice. So whenever the gospel comes along and they understand that all they had to do was trust Christ and Christ himself was the high priest. And he's already made a payment for the sins of the world and he is, you know, knowledgeable about what it's like to live in this body and what we go through and tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So Jesus was a high priest and he became the captain of our salvation. Captain of our salvation means the author of our salvation, which is mentioned in chapter 2, also mentioned in chapter 12, and we'll see that in chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, he is the author of salvation. In other words, it's his idea, his execution. But he makes a statement here in the book of Hebrews. He says down here in chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity. So we're talking to believers about going on to maturity. In other words, going from a child of God to a man of God. Growing in your, I guess you could say, your responsibilities. Where you don't expect a child who's just been born into God's family to walk as a saint of 50 years. So you should be patient with people who are now where you once were. Not everybody knows everything the same, to the same degree. So people are learning in different stages, and some people can get things just like this, and some people have to really study hard. we got students that will come to college sometime, and some have to really bear down to just try to memorize a verse. And then we got some who can just look at the verse and close the Bible, and they can remember it. So that's not fair. <laughs> but that's the way it is. But you can remember quick and forget quick, too. You can forget something just as fast as you can remember. But the person who has to work hard to remember something can remember it also longer because they had to go through so much more studying. So is there an advantage? Maybe not. But there were people who were not growing in the Lord and they become dull of hearing. So he said, we're going to leave these principles of the doctrine of Christ and look what he says about Repentance, not laying again the foundation. See, once you've laid a foundation, you don't have to lay the foundation anymore. What is our foundation? Well, we trust that Christ is our Savior. So when you turn from dead works to Christ, repent. You do not trust in your dead works to save you. You trust Christ as your Savior. So he said you don't have to lay that foundation again. All you have to do is go on from here into maturity. And then he says up there in verse 3, And this we will do, if God permits. You see, God will not permit a person to grow who will not believe what he's already taught them. In other words, you don't get additional light if you reject light you've already been given. Because the light you received, here a little and there a little, is built upon previous truth and more truth. Well, if you disagree with this truth and don't believe this truth and won't act upon this truth, why should God keep giving you more truth? You become blinded. You hear and you see and you can memorize more and more and more, but it doesn't help. You don't grow spiritually. You can accumulate knowledge and not grow one iota. So he makes a statement in verse 4. For it is impossible 
In other words, the reason we're going to leave these things about salvation is because the foundation is still secure. You're still on the foundation. But we're going to go to maturity if God permits, if you'll believe what he says about growing, learning. And some people are hard of hearing, dull of hearing, as it says in verse 11 of chapter 5. Then he says here in verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, tasted the word, our heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have, get to, tasted the good word of God. They see that, well, you just tasted it. Well, up here it says also, and tasted of the heavenly gift. When Christ said he just tasted death, did he just taste it, or did he really die? So, you see, that's the same word that's used over here in chapter 2, that's used in chapter 6. And it means that they really were believers, and you don't have to lay the foundation again. So then he describes what it's like to have a piece of ground. Let's say God gave each one of us a piece of ground when we got saved. That's 10 acres of ground. 10 for you, 10 for you, 10 for you. We all got 10 acres of ground. If you don't do anything with it, you're going to get briars and thorns. But if you want fruit on the land, well, then you're going to have to clear the land. And you're going to have to make some rows and do a little, uh, you know, furrowing and plant some seeds and cultivate it and keep the weeds out so you can have some fruit. You say, well, is that in the Bible? Of course. Where do you think I got the idea from? Look what he says there in verse 7. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed receiveth what? Salvation. No, blessings. Blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. That's the briars and the thorns. That's the, the bad works. And then you have the blessings. So you can either have a life filled with blessings or cursings. It's your choice. The book of Hebrews is a warning to God's people to take that piece of ground that he gave to you and cultivate it. Grow some fruit. And you don't have to get another piece of ground. That's your foundation. You already got that. It's just that you're filled with briars and thorns. So you've got to do a little clearing. And this is why in your life you examine yourself by the word of God and you cut out of your life those things that are harmful to your testimony so that you can put better things in your life. So that's why you read and study the Word of God, so you can discern those things that God wants us to discern. And so when he talks about tasting death for every man, he died for every man. And those people who said that they, you know, they tasted of the heavenly gift, they really did. And, then, and the good things, they really did. So once you have trusted Christ as Savior, God wants us to go on to maturity. Salvation is a one thing one time, one moment, done deal. How many times do I have to get saved in my life? All right, that happened to me 57 and a half years ago. Do I have to get saved again? No. Because, you see, when I drunk some of that water back then, that everlasting water, that's springing up into everlasting life. So since I had that spring of water placed inside of me, I've been trying to get people to drink some of this water. 
So we become a fountain of water. That's why in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37, he talks about, you know, and Jesus on that great day of the feast stood and cried and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture hath said, out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So anyway, go back there to Hebrews in chapter 2. Chapter 2. So when he says here in verse 9, but we see Jesus, that's in contrast to you and I. Who was made a little lower than the angels? Jesus was too. But for a reason, as he says here, for the suffering of death, because angels do not die. And he says, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Yesterday morning, uh, at the uh, Bible study we had, Peter had a, an awesome uh, lesson for us and uh, laid out very well, did a great job. And one of the questions that came up was the one about, you know, here's Adam and Eve and, you know, and then along comes those sons and uh, they die, send. And, uh, well, one we know <laughs> killed the other one. And you have a, a, a problem that if they was to go back into the garden and eat that fruit of the tree of life, they could live forever with a sinful nature. Because they did die when they were separated from God. But now there's another death that they would have died, but if they eat of that fruit, but then so God put some cherubims in order to, you know, guard it so that they couldn't get back in. Because if they had it, then they could live forever. Like that. Now, the problem would have been if they could not and did not die, then God could never have saved them. God has to let them die so that he could come into the world and die. There would be no other way to have saved them if they would not have died. And so that's why he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That he, by the grace of God, because you see, no man deserved to be saved. But by the grace of God that nobody deserved, he sent his son made lower than the angels for the suffering of death that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now notice what he says down through here. In verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Now get this. The reason he had to do what he did, the way that he did is in order to bring sons into glory. In other words, we would have never been glorified, never get to go to glory or a place of perfection because we were not perfect. So he had to do what he did, the way that he did it, in order to bring us into glory. Isn't that awesome? That is just plain awesome. And then he says here, in bringing many sons unto glory, get this, to make the captain or the author of their salvation... Perfect through suffering. So Jesus Christ knows what it's like to be born, to live in a physical body, to be limited, to get hungry, to get weary, get thirsty, to be rejected, humiliated, shamed. He knows all of that, just like you do. And it says there in chapter, just look at this. You need to see that. Chapter 4 of Hebrews where he makes the statement in verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. 
touch with the feelings of our infirmity. You see, we have feelings about everything, don't we? How we feel about a lot of things. Well, Jesus has feelings. And he knows what it's like to be limited. And he had to walk the dusty trails and he got tired. He got weary. He had to sleep. Remember when it was in the ship and the storm was raging? Where was Jesus? Sleeping. You mean he has to sleep? Evidently. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.